0: for free shipping and 365
2: day returns. Pains. Skin looks amazing. Um, oh, thanks. Okay. Are your, you look great. Do I? Yeah. You
1: look I good. think it's all the very helpful lighting you've set up. <laughs> I'm looking directly at your face. Ba- oh, I'll stop still. Um, Okay. So for this episode, I realised that Julie's listeners now are going to hear me Talking an intro in her podcast, but we decided to do a crossover podcast. So, for my listeners, the shift is usually dating relationships sex and then sometimes it's just a chat sometimes we totally just go off on a totally different but that's generally the team and so for obviously Julie your podcast is usually do you want to intro it for?
2: So Crimeland which Katie has been on before and has been a great guest is essentially looking at historical true crime so I invite a different funny person on every week and I tell them a historical true crime story so because the shift is kind of a relationship podcast Katie you had the really good idea of doing a crossover but we look at a historical true crime which involves a bit of romance a bit of romance
1: with a date and a good warning for us all i actually don't know what it's about yet so but i think you know a lot of these stories i don't know what it says about love but like
2: when you were saying oh would you have one you know written up that involves a bit of romance to be honest i think they nearly always involve yeah something romantic
1: Yeah, some
2: kind of like love relationship gone sour. Like it's just it's such a fine line between love and murder is what I'm saying. It's
1: so true. Remember what you said um, to me the other day? So obviously Julie's in New York. She's here for uh, Irish comedy show and staying with me. And we were talking about how and I'm pretty sure this is you, but I also had just spent the day with it there. So I'm getting confused who said this to me, but I think it was you. And I was saying about how most women actually get murdered or assaulted or attacked by someone they know. Oh, for sure. There's like a statistic. And was it you who said, I'm blanking now what I was just about to say, but was it you who said, um, oh, yeah, that men say that they're terrified of women, a woman will laugh at them? And there was this. This Wasn't you?
2: No, so jo- well, I think Joanne used to have a bit about this, was didn't it? she? Joanne McNally, well, it's apparently like a. I, I actually, the, is this you know, the, the the bit about um, like men have a fear when you show up for a date that you're going to have a bit of muffin top, and women have a fear they're going to turn up and they're going to get murdered?
1: No, but that's that a, was great, a Joanne that's a McNally great bit. bit. No, there's an actual study like where they they uh they que- a questioned what's it called when you math study question women what a survey was thank you god how, how have i been doing this podcast without you <laughs> my vocab's <laughs> terrible not at um, all but no seriously though there was a survey and it was like what were women's biggest fear when it comes to men versus men's biggest fear and men's biggest fear was they're afraid women would laugh at them and women's was they're afraid men would murder them mm-hmm, for sure but like so obviously like men don't even think about that whereas women like you're thinking about it, and it's funny. You're probably thinking about it walking down the street, like you're walking down a quiet street. I put up a Instagram video once of my my old street in Astoria, and it was all alleyway, 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 big white van, big white van, big white van, and I was like walking in the middle, and I was so like, so scary. But and you know, but realistically, probably more likely to get murdered by Leland. <laughs> he's so <laughs> lovely; he's not gonna do it. But you know what I mean. I was wondering, like, I didn't want to say,
2: but I did find a document that Leland. Has I mean, look, I didn't read the whole thing, but the vibe I got from the first paragraph is he has taken off out a life insurance policy on you, which is always a red flag. Because I feel life. like that's a real American thing, you know. When you hear these horrific stories about people being murdered by their spouse, there's always like they had recently taken out a life insurance policy. Can you even get life insurance in Ireland? Like, is it a thing? I don't know. Like in Ireland, we don't have. Do any- know if we value ourselves enough to take out an insurance policy on ourselves? I don't. I think they'd be like ah oh, stop. Yeah,
1: even the the insurance people would be like, no.
2: Well, I did a gig in Scotland with. The brilliant Liam Farrelly, who's a fantastic comedian, like he really is. He, like, he reminds me of kind of like a young Kevin Bridges, Frankie Boyd. He's so, so good. He's from Glasgow. But I was at a show with him and he was talking about having a child recently. And he was like, I mean, I didn't even have, he was on stage and he was like, Guys, I didn't even have a life insurance policy. And the audience were all laughing. And then he came off stage and I was like, Should I get a life insurance <laughs>
1: policy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's all a bit mental. Like I'm about to get cat insurance for the cat and that's going to be more than my own health insurance a month. What? No way. As in like just for vet bills and stuff? Apparently it doesn't even cover, none of them even cover your your vet visit. It's just for like, which is mental to me. But if anything happens to the cat that's so expensive in New York City to get any sort of like operation. Now look, I would be of the mind that, you know, if something happens. Don't say you can just get a new cat no you can't. i can't no madra i can't no i love is madra. here for a lot yeah but i would have been of the mind before like oh if the cat gets sick like you know that's bad and uh-huh. they and they die but now that i have madra i'm like no i would probably spend the of money get getting fixed and it's like my friend had a cat where it ate a piece of string so it was stuck out of its mouth and it was stuck out of its earth, so it was stuck in Gosh. its yeah 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 like the string as in
2: in one end out the other <laughs> That's like human centipede
1: stuff, isn't it? Yeah. So to get it out, like, and it was twisting up his insides, it cost him eight grand. Because he did pet insurance. Whereas if you had pet insurance, they'd probably foot the bill for maybe six grand of it, you know?
2: Eight grand. Yeah. Jeez, I would have
1: pulled that bit of string out of the arse <laughs> myself for eight grand. My God. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you love your cat, but, like, honestly, like... If it was eight grand for yourself, you'd be finding it hard to pull the money to get yourself fixed. Do you know. Honestly,
2: if I had a bit of string
1: hanging out of my <sighs> arse.
2: I have a bit of string hanging out of my fanny every month.
1: Yeah, but it's not coming out of your mouth as well. Well,
2: depends on the month. Okay, it's very easy. By the way, beware of toxic shock syndrome is a big thing. You need to really be conscious of the strings hanging out of your body, is what I'm saying. Even though we've all had this conversation with somebody recently who was... That very brave celebrity who came out recently and talked about toxic shock syndrome, Maura Higgins. I don't know if oh, you know she? Maura. Yeah, I love Maura. Of Didn't course, fellow it, yeah. Um, But she was talking about how, um, and I was so happy she came out to talk about this. Well, I mean, we love Maura anyway, but she Definitely. was saying about how, like, a tampon had been stuck up her vagina or whatever. And obviously she was getting sick and feeling unwell. And thankfully they got it in time because, you know, obviously toxic shock syndrome is actually such an acute illness and so serious. But I was so happy she came out to talk about it because it's, it is a bit stigmatized.
1: How did it get stuck up in her? she just kind of forgot? Well,
2: you know yourself, it's like, you know, Cause you, you can, a- you can forget, like, it's, it's very, it's never happened to me personally, but it has happened to a lot of friends of mine. And I can easily see how it would happen so you know what I'm saying is you need to watch the string situation but also it's completely understandable if one gets a little bit
1: waylaid 100% especially if you've been drinking the next morning you're waking up being like I don't remember if I actually took it out or is it all yeah the way well there? one
2: morning because I don't drink a lot anymore but one morning when I was on the last one night when I was on the lash the next morning like it is always very alarming when you reach down there's two strings you're like this <laughs> is wrong like a puppeteer
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's like hard a, a puppet on a
2: puh, 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 puh. Yeah,
1: we have to string. W- we have to worry about strings and being murdered.
2: Do you remember that Eurovision song, Puppet on a String? No, I have no idea. It's what such a singing. classic. In fact, tonight at our New York comedy gig, I want to come on to that song. I want you to find it, and I want that to be my walk-on song. I have to disappoint you and say we have no walk-on music. Okay, in New York. nobody said that before. I <laughs> booked the return flight. I want like a WWF entrance. Do you know what I'll do? I'll I'll learn the words like and when you're I'll on sing a it po- like po- a puppet. Po- po- no <laughs> string, and it's a very breathy kind of a vocal.
1: And instead of clapping, I'll get the audience to throw tampons at
2: you. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. Well, as long—I mean, you are paying me eight grand for the gig tonight, yeah, so that yeah. seems only God, fair. So I'm very excited about the old shift, Crime Land. Yes,
1: this is exciting. Marriage. So you said you had an historical romance. True I thought crime. you were writing up a historical true crime story. Well, so. Mary Antoinette, she said to have cake, and I don't know where what happened with her fella. But and that's the
2: end of the podcast. Can yeah. we just say as well, because we both love The Owl True Crime, we happened upon
1: the best bookshop ever yesterday. Yeah, Mystery Bookshop in, I guess it would be like Lower West Side, even though I t- like there, there's no, it's down near Ground Zero.
2: But it's all mystery, true crime, thriller books. Like, it, honestly. I I just, I couldn't get over it. I I can't believe a bookshop like that exists. I
1: know. No, it's amazing. Such a joy. I love those type of books as well because they're usually like, you can kind of dissociate where it's like, well, this isn't real. Sometimes when I'm watching stuff that's like, like I had to turn off the Jeffrey Dahmer documentary. I didn't watch it. It was making me feel sick. Mm. I watched the Ted Bundy one, but um, I wanted to do a crime podcast and nobody steal this idea because I might do it one day when I stop being such a scary Baby. I'll tell you what it was. I wanted to do a true, true crime. So, because there's an app here where you can see all the crime in your local area. Oh, stop it. So I thought it'd be fun. It was not fun. When I downloaded the app, I was fucking terrified to leave my house. I was getting a notification, like, someone was shot 10 feet away from your location. I was like, I can't even, how could I even make that funny?
2: Well, I have to say, I... I don't know how I slept the other night when you were telling me about people crawling down from the from the roof, crawling in the window to rob the place. I was like, Night night to you too, Katie.
1: My now god. That was in the nineties. I was saying to Julie that. So we live in Chelsea now and it's very nice and it is an area that like will be predominantly known for having maybe gay men live in there in the mm-hmm. area. So his Oh, sometimes I forget to breathe, uh, Leland's uncle, who he rent off, um, lives with his husband now, but he was there was all these like big bars on the window, and I was like, it feels like we're in a prison, like, let's get rid of them. But then Leland told him, and he was like, well, when I moved in, people would, cr- it wasn't a, a like safe area the way it is now, because um, obviously... It's such a lovely area now. Yeah, all the uh, men made it so much safer and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like the gay men, but the, they, uh, he said that people would crawl, they would crawl up come out from the roof and crawl down or crawl up the fire escape to try to break into places.
2: Which is really
1: reassuring, isn't it? Well, then I was like, fuck, we've already taken the bars off. So, I don't know, like, I just hope. But then Leland was like, no Nobody, nobody's going to be scaling the building now in Chelsea. No,
2: and to be fair, like, we have Madra now to protect us. Yeah, little. he already
1: protected us from the fucking camera. A trying to bite through the, he bit through the a bunch of cords.
2: I, well, do you know what? Yeah. Am no, I will curse on your podcast? Oh, absolutely! Oh, Go God. for it. Drop that. Drop those f bombs, baby. A good f Okay, will I dive right in? Do it. Okay, so right. Okay, how? I am just- wondering because usually when I do the crime, I am like, this week we're chatting about whatever. So this week I have one written up for you. I think you are really gonna enjoy it. This is the story of Martha Heslap. Okay, I'm gonna just dive right in. So Martha Hessop, So basically, she was born in Elstree, in England, in 1746, and she was the daughter of a dressmaker. So at age 13, she went into an apprenticeship as a milliner. Which would you be a hat person? You strike me as someone I'd say you're into hats. Are you? No,
1: I hate the feeling of them on my head. I also think my head's like slightly bigger than the average hat size. Really? I don't know. It just feels like you have a lovely sized head. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so Martha,
2: basically, she was the daughter of a dressmaker. You know, I guess, kind of, Dara, like you know, she was, she was, uh, she was kind of a lower class, shall we say? So, like, she was very much kind of, um, coming from kind of a working class background. And at age thirteen, she. Start this apprenticeship, which would have been obviously du jour for people of her class within this era. So she was tipping away, making her hats and doing her thing when one day Martha came to the attention of John Montagu, the fourth Earl of Sandwich. Does
1: that is this ringing any bells? The fourth Earl of Sandwich yes sandwich like so she's making hats and he's eating sandwiches well
2: because you know the story about the so where a sandwich actually originated so he this guy a sandwich
1: would have and lettuce we certainly
2: are so oh. this guy which i don't know if you'd heard this story before so this guy would have invented the sandwich essentially right. as we know it like the modern modern day um sandwich oh my apologies okay so <laughs> I had Martha Hessop in one source for the name of this woman, but actually it was Martha Ray seemed to be the one that was more commonly used. So we're going to go with Martha Ray. OK, the, obviously the, you know, research here is impeccable because I was thinking to myself, I have this. So what I do is I amalgamate different sources. I should probably quote a couple of them actually now. So Murderpedia. We always use Murderpedia, generally speaking for the historical stuff that we do. Um, Wikipedia was another great one. But I did use a really brilliant article from the Watford Observer as well, written by Paul Heslop, Anne Nobelt, and Archibald Thompson Hall, which are all very impressive names. I'm sure we'd all agree. So in that article... She was referred to as Martha Heslop, but I didn't actually see that in any other source. So in every other source, including the Smithsonian, which was, uh, they had a fantastic article on this. So if you do like a long read, it's like really well written, very literary. And on the Smithsonian, they continue to refer to her as Ray. So actually going forward, I'm going to refer to her as Martha Ray. Is that okay? That's perfect. Can we just come back to murder? The sandwich. Okay, Murderpedia. Murderpedia
1: sounds like someone who would like, jack off to murder
2: yes well I tell you Murder is great because it's essentially a Wikipedia for murderers and they amalgamate all these different newspaper articles and sources and I actually find it brilliant especially for the older stuff because it literally is just a catalogue of like newspaper articles on different murders that's amazing yeah it's pretty cool it's great I use it an awful lot so this guy John Montague he invented the sandwich and the story apparently was that he didn't want to leave his gaming room he was quite a social butterfly Guy. and he got his poor old servants to basically take his supper and put it between two slices of bread so that he could eat it at the gaming table and the rest is history so he invented the sandwich um so this guy john montague mr sandwich he was kind of a big deal so he would go on to hold the position of first lord of the admiralty which was like You know, it was a big position. He was very much at the pinnacle of 18th century aristocracy and a really powerful guy. So Martha was about 16... And Lord Sandwich happened upon Martha one day when she was at work and he was instantly besotted with Martha. So, by the way, just doing the maths on this, he was 44 at the time oh, and she, she was 16. Of course, of of course, course yeah. says you. So it's the age-old story. <laughs> so Lord Sandwich was a married man who'd been living apart from his wife for seven years due to her deteriorating mental health. So she'd actually been declared insane, which, let's face it, probably just means PMS.
1: So, sorry. <coughs> sorry, wait! Oh god, the, all the all the listeners are gonna be like, "Oh my god, can I get?" She coughed into. We're not allowed like, cough anymore. Over. But wait. You said that his wife was declared insane.
2: Yes, yeah, so he was married and his wife had she been declared insane, but like... double tamponed it. <laughs> oh, for sure.
1: Yeah, like I definitely. Know, yeah, he, I mean, he declared her insane because he got a crush on the, the 16-year-old. I mean, she could have, you know, maybe
2: she did have mental health problems, but I think you know, we all know, like anyone of who read, like Jane Eyre, Mad Woman in the Attic and all that kind of crack, like I mean, I would take it with a pinch of salt as well, because yeah. obviously we can't diagnose people that many years ago, but also when it came to women and mental health like whatever about men and mental health yeah it was just you know it was a little bit dodgy it was you know it's i don't know but like look according to the sources i had read she did have severe mental health problems so maybe the poor woman did have like a lot of stuff going on but basically they still technically were married you know as such but she was deemed i guess not a competent spouse So Lord Sandwich took a real shining to Martha and he took it upon himself to see that Martha received a good end education so he sent her to France where she would learn to quote be a lady mm-hmm. so you know they had these finishing schools back in the day and that was where you went to basically learn etiquette and social graces so she went to this one in France and there she also did so with these schools essentially it was like learning how to be a lady um, and you know as I said etiquette and stuff but they would also get them to do kind of quote lady like things like they would coach them in terms of singing they would get them to pray, play like a nice musical instrument like not like the bass guitar yeah. not the drums like but just like, something gentle it sounds like just old-fashioned grooming it's oh 100% just, yes wouldn't lads love nowadays they could just for send sure. off a young woman <laughs> it was all about the grooming because she went off now for the year and you know she learned the etiquette blah 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 but she also learned Um, a musical instrument called Harp Escort. Not 100% sure what that is. Please get in touch if you do know what it is. (laughs) And then she also worked on her singing voice. She was supposed to have a lovely singing voice. So she came back... Age 17, Lord Sandwich at this stage of his career was at the height of aristocracy, but that's not to say he had a respected record necessarily. So he was respected in some ways, but a massive, I suppose, stain on his CV was the fact that he'd obviously been involved in the British response to the American War of Independence the American Revolution and of course as we all know Britain essentially failed in that like it was a massive failure for Britain and this was definitely like a stain on his reputation because he was very much involved and the whole thing had been a disaster so that's just you know as an aside. He was also an active member of the so-called Hellfire Club, which was also known as the Monks of Medmen, Med Menhem, which was like this gentleman's club, really popular with the aristocracy and even royalty and renowned for, quote, hard drinking and womanizing habits of wealthy rakes. So like just, you know, basically going on the lash and doing the dog in it. And they refer to this as like a gentleman's club. So when she was 17, Martha came back from France and, and she officially became Lord Sandwich's mistress. So as you said, the previous year, she had essentially just been groomed, essentially, to become his partner. Um, far from having a secret affair with Martha, he actually brought her to the family home. So he brought her into the family home at Hitchingbrook in, now I hope I'm pronouncing this right, in Huntingtonshire. He wanted Martha to be his wife in everything but name, a position that would have suited her, no doubt. But of course, he couldn't actually marry Martha as divorce in those days was really expensive and would have been seriously damaging to his reputation and his I'm high level career. I'm uh, surprised as an
1: Englishman that that would be damaging because sure, that's after Henry VIII married like eight oh, women. Oh, very true.
2: Yeah. So I'm surprised
1: that it I wouldn't guess be. it was probably still a bit taboo, though.
2: Was I it? Maybe it was only
1: OK if you were a king.
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah. No, it's it's funny. I suppose it was probably still a bit taboo, but also maybe he just wasn't that arsed in getting married again.
1: Yeah, maybe he just wanted to have her on. Like he wanted his cake and eat it too. Yeah, because they
2: did. The funny thing about these two is they did seem to. You know, obviously, she was so much younger than him. There was a massive imbalance of power. But by all accounts, it seemed like they were actually quite happy as a unit because Martha, she lived the life of a lady. She entertained friends. They were very social. They were, like, very, very popular and well-known. She slotted nicely into the grand lifestyle. Like, she didn't have the legal status of wife, but the social circle seemed to, like, accept her and there was no snobbery or anything like that. Now, maybe, you know, they're... It might have been like, it mightn't have been overt snobbery, but it seemed like she really did slot in and people accepted her. She had five children with Lord Sandwich. Yes, they went down to. wedlock. Yeah, well, this is it. So, what's interesting about this case, and I was quite heartened by it, is that like the kids they were out of wedlock but they were treated very well Mm -hmm. so that's you know nice to hear that like they they weren't you know treated differently from his legitimate kids and i use that word in inverted commas because obviously at the time the term would have been
1: like illegitimate so um and maybe there was a bit of like a like a respect to his actual like his Oh, men- I'm mentally unwell so maybe if she was mentally unwell wife maybe there was a... she,
2: yeah 100% like I mean you know she could have been and it mm-hmm. did seem like they seemed to get on very well and it seemed to be a happy <coughs> arrangement for Sorry, everyone involved in not at all and of course it just acted up but what would you say you it good? seemed to be no just as in that it seemed to be a pretty happy arrangement by all accounts so there was one major worry of course which bothered Martha Lord Sandwich, he was a lot older than her obviously and um, If he died before her, which of course was likely, she would probably be kicked out of the gaff
1: and have nothing. That'd be off. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, If he had a freak accent as well. She was very
2: vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, she was very, very vulnerable. And obviously her kids as well would have been vulnerable and probably would have been left without any money. So she was understandably worried and even told Lord Sandwich that she could get into acting as kind of a side hustle in order to make her own living. Of course, Lord Sandwich was old school, which during this era was just called school.
1: Yeah. like he
2: was just like he was not of the opinion that his wife should go off doing her own thing yeah. and you know making her own money can
1: i say something as a side note you know the way like there's all these like you'll see these kind of incelly or angry men on the internet and they're like you know women because some guy commented on my thing and basically women shouldn't be allowed to vote which is funny because i can't actually I, I agree with him but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but the thing is that now thinking about it sure they were living the life of mary back in the day these guys are probably looking reading back these history things and being like i could tell my wife what to do oh god leland would hate that though because when i'm like i can't decide on a restaurant he, he, he wouldn't want to have to tell me what to do with my life
2: i i can't imagine anything worse than having to be the authority for even myself yeah I hate being the driving seat of my own life yeah. let alone like giving somebody else directions so yeah like look this guy it, exactly that it was a time when obviously misogyny was rife etc he was not up for his wife getting well his effective wife getting on stage so uh, he thought like it was kind of a body profession anything to do with the arts was kind of considered a bit body. and he also refused to divorce his wife even though she had that old chestnut Katie when the ex has been declared insane, but he still won't divorce her.
1: I know, like, Jesus, like, talk about having to, you know, you'd be kind of like, oh, God, she's texting or calling his ex, but this guy's like, she's living in the basement. Or oh, whatever. yeah, complete mad woman in the
2: attic stuff. Like, yeah. she was just in the West Wing. She was in the West Wing?
1: Yeah. So she Is this was... where Jane Eyre or one of them, Jane Austen, got that? On Wuthering... Jane Eyre What's with the mad
2: woman in the attic. Wuthering Heights? Well,
1: um, no, I was about it was to the Kate Bush sign. Jane it. Eyre,
2: where there's the mad woman in the attic. But it's like, she's actually not mad. You know what? That could actually have been the inspiration behind this. I didn't have to say, I didn't find any evidence that that was the case. But like, I definitely, as I was researching this, I kept thinking back to that mad woman in the attic element. And I was like, what? I mean, because this would have been a really well-known case. Yeah. So maybe you know, I don't know, maybe it was kind of the inspiration behind it. It's definitely very, it definitely has overtones. So then one day came along, this is when things get very interesting. In 1775 this soldier called Captain James Hackman came to visit. So he came to the Sandwiches and (laughs) just popped over for a sandwich. Wait, sorry, is
1: his last name Sandwich again?
2: So Lord Sandwich is His name is Sandwich. So John Montague was his name, but he was like the Lord of Sandwich. So you know, for example um like, you know, with the aristocracy, they would have these titles. But so, I mean, for example, like Princess of Wales, that kind of thing. Oh,
1: Sandwich was a place. Yes. Oh, so that makes sense now I me.
2: think it came from, so Sandwich, it came from, I think, like, as in a, essentially a shire. So, like, that, yeah. you know, when you kind of go back to, like, the feudal system, etc. And they had, like, these different titles. So he was the Lord of Sandwich, but his name was John Montagu.
1: Could you imagine being the Lord of coca-cola or like the
2: lord of tea or the yeah. lord of potato well i think sandwich is a pretty impressive because everyone
1: i love a sandwich a sandwich is, uh, that's how i live oh i mean I li- that's, I, that's how that's we what all I eat live. For dinner. thank you john montague
2: or should we say thank you to his poor servants who like can you imagine the chef i cooked up this amazing dinner and that fecker couldn't mm-hmm. be arsed getting off his gaming table to eat his fucking dinner yeah yeah and he still gets the credit for inventing this sandwich but mm. anyway yeah it was the chef He was the chef. So James Hackman, he had joined the army at 19 and he was in the county on a recruiting drive. He was invited to Hitchingbrook, which of course was the gaff that John Montague lived in with Martha. So this is a new guy into the story. This is a new guy. He was a soldier. He was a younger fella. He came to the house and he was instantly obsessed with Martha. Martha was seven years older than him and it was just like he... Was Besaw-ish. besotted, absolutely ah. besotted. Yes. Jinx? What's, no, that's not jinx. What's the word jinx? I do know, but unjinx
1: it or I won't be able to talk to you. Unjinx. But what do you
2: say when some, we say the snap?
1: Snap. Snap. Okay. I have no
2: idea. Um, so he knew, of course, that she was the mistress of the Earl, Sandwich. okay, Lord Sandwich and that she had five children with him but nonetheless he asked her to marry him, even oh. though he knew that she was very much stacked up she turned him down, pledging loyalty to Lord Sandwich and saying that she would never marry a soldier, so she kind of, I guess um, gave a bit of shade a bit, a bit snobby about it you know, she was forgot just like, where she came from well, I mean, sure, isn't that often the case that yes. like oftentimes I feel, you know, somebody it's probably stemming from insecurity. But, you know, the people who kind of come up, um, you know, maybe from a lower class and they're suddenly kind of cast into this really arist- 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 aristocratic world. And it's very wealthy, very
1: privileged. Like they have such a fear of going back to where yeah. they were. You know, you see it in comedy as well. Like. comedians who are like doing better or like at a higher level but you can tell it's a bit of an insecurity because they'll kind of turn their nose up at younger comics coming in and not be polite or like give shade and it's like that was you i I always try it's a fear it's just it's just coming out of yeah i always try to make especially at the club if there's like newer like make them feel comfortable there was there was like a, a younger comic recently kind of hanging at the At the bar and i was like come on into the green room with us and i thought it was being nice but then actually i think i just put that comic into like a hell pack because we were all talking having a crack and they looked like they just wanted i know i think they just were so uncomfortable where i was kind of like come on and it's fine but then they were kind of like katie boyle strikes again trying to be nice
2: i know i know but you know what the i think your intention was good
1: yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. and i'm sure sure that the more they also should do that they should go into the green room more and get comfortable of course because the
2: more you do it the more comfortable you get exactly
1: yeah for sure and everybody in that room was not they would have been nice and yeah yeah but i can see how yeah but yes, so that's just funny that that's in like all aspects of life for sure and, forget. and Martha was
2: just like look you know the reason I won't marry you is because you're a soldier like there's no way I'm trading down basically. Yeah,
1: yeah. And She's not trading down though she's also getting another 20 years with her
2: partner. Well yes and also he was offering her some security in that he was like I will marry you yeah. and she had like the five kids and he was like it's no problem I will marry you but he, so he was like so she was like no way it's not happening and um, James, unfortunately for him, he kind of... So he kind of obviously was deva at this. He went off and he didn't give up, though, on Martha. And he decided that he wanted her to be his wife so badly that he went off and decided, okay, I'm going to get a new career, and he joined the church to become a reverend. So he was like, I'm going to get an honourable, inverted commas, career, and uh, then she'll marry me. So once he was ordained a reverend uh, in 1779, so four years later, he was sent to Norfolk, and again he proposed to Martha, who again turned him down. She this lad. Yeah, I mean, it's just getting to the stage, like, you know... I think you can only propose to a person so many times. I
1: mean, before no, you have in to get the message. Times, no, did not mean no to men. Like, well, we've, we've, we spent centuries being like, no means no. I
2: know that's true, and the penny hasn't dropped with a lot of people <laughs> out there. There's still a lot of guys who have yet to learn that one. So four years later, after meeting Martha, James was still obsessed, unable to take no for an answer, and he decided to take. Very extreme action. Oh,
1: no, he's, get, he's so, obsessive.
2: So, yeah, no, it's not good. It's not romantic. I know you were initially thinking, like, Love Actually, but it, which in itself is a really unsettling film, but exactly similar to Love Actually, where you're like, oh, okay, this is cute, and then maybe about 20 minutes in, you're like, this is so creepy. This is when it gets Wait, really what creepy. what happened in Love Actually that was creepy? You know, Andrew Lloyd's character turns up on the doorstep, and he's, like, oh, obsessed yeah. with his best, best mate's wife. I always thought that was strange that she kissed him. The boundaries are so bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. So
2: that there's, there's, a whack of, there's definitely a whack of this now off it, because basically off the whole thing, because he then travelled to London to try to persuade her to meet him. She sent, He sent a note to her friends. So she had these friends, Signor and Signore, Signora Gali, to martha so she had these spanish friends he gave them a note and said please give it to martha in the note he begged her to meet him for only five minutes oh god no don't do it Martha. later he would say he never intended to harm her which may or may not be true but in any event martha refused to meet him and she wrote a note back which the obviously the mates passed on to him saying look please just leave me alone which oh, is oh, very clear lady, yeah yeah very clear um at this point, then, it would appear that James intended to end his life. OK, so he really took this very badly because at that point, he'd written a letter to his brother now saying, quote, may heaven protect my beloved woman and forgive this act, which alone could release me from a world of misery I have long endured. Sorry, they're very dramatic back in the day. He probably hasn't even kissed her. Oh, the, oh like, well, this is-, this is the question. So he... On the evening of the 7th of April, 1779, which was a Wednesday, Martha Ray went to Covent Garden Theatre to see the play Love in a Village. That same evening, James was seen drinking brandy in the nearby Bedford Cafe Tavern. Around 11 o'clock, she left in the company of her friend Sonora Galley, and both women were escorted by Lord Col- Colraine. James was among the crowd in this theatre watching Martha the whole time. So apparently witnesses said that Martha took the arm of an unknown man when she was going to get into her coach. So she just kind of took the arm of this guy.
1: Um, what does that mean, took the arm?
2: You're just- like I in, you know, when you link arms with someone. But like, so she knew she was linking arms with him. Oh, yeah. Like she kind of just like linked arms with this guy momentarily when she was just kind of steadying herself, exiting the theater. Oh, right. And this was considered, presumed to be like the tipping point for a crazed James. As Martha prepared. Because oh, it was
1: just a random guy and he just thought, oh, yes. he's another guy. Oh, so he's he mental. so as
2: Martha st- prepared to step into her waiting carriage, wait for it. He shot her in the head, killing her instantly. But James wasn't finished for he carried another pistol. So he had two guns on him, took out the other gun, which he pointed to his own head in an apparent attempt to shoot himself. But basically, the crowd immediately lunged at James and they wrestled the gun off him. So when he went to shoot himself, the bullet actually just kind of kind of just glanced off him a bit and it wounded him. He only got a very superficial wound because the crowd were wrestling the gun off him. As he fell to the ground, he struck himself repeatedly with the butt of the gun whereupon he was seized and handed over to
1: the police now sorry, this isn't just a oh that was too much because he brought two guns. That's so premeditated. Well, this is the
2: qu- yes, this was a big issue in the trials. So Lord Sandwich was at home. The Poor driver Lord of the sandwich. coach returned home without Martha and he told Lord Sandwich the news and apparently his response was, "I could have quote I could have quote I could have borne anything but this." So there did seem to be like real love between the yeah, two of them. I mean,
1: he should have just fucking married her and this would have never happened. Yeah.
2: So one week later Even
1: his fault. It's James. That's no young guy right? Fucking yeah.
2: So one week later Martha was buried and four days after that James Hackman still only 27. He was only a young fella. Stood trial at the old baby for her murder. Incredibly, despite multiple witnesses and a lot of evidence against him, like the fact that he brought two guns. There was letters suggesting that he was obsessed with Martha. He wasn't taking no for an answer. He pleaded not guilty. Of course. Of course he oh my did. God, because, you know, it'd be different if he shot a man. Qua- classic, stri- classic straight white male privilege here.
1: Also as well, classic, uh, if I want something, I should have something. Yeah, I should for have sure. It. Entitlement. Like, uh, like, oh no, you guys are crazy for not thinking that I shouldn't shoot her in the head for not yeah. loving me. So not surprisingly, the court
2: was jammers, like absolutely rammed, full of people. Um, There was huge interest in this case, clearly, because it was, you know, it had very a lot of fascinating aspects. There was scandal, all the rest. James's defence team argued that Martha and James had in fact been meeting in secret and engaged in an affair. No. So his defence argued that they'd been meeting up, they had an affair, which, by the way, like, I'm sorry, that still wouldn't justify what he did. In his statement, James told the court... Quote, I stand here, the most wretched of human beings, and confess myself a criminal to a high degree. I acknowledge that my determination against my own life was formal and complete. The will to destroy her who was dearer to me than life was never mine until a momentary frenzy overcame me. No. So he insisted that he only intended to kill himself, and that he shot Martha in like a momentary frenzy. Oh, so was he going to put both the guns up to either side head? Well, this was it. Do like an X, so sorta. obviously the big question was, if he intended on taking only his own life, why the two guns? Yeah. Absolutely, sorry. Was he afraid that it'd go in through his head and he'd have to go, oh, need another one? Well, it's funny because people said like maybe it was because, you know, if he missed the first time that he had a second gun and hilariously, he did actually end up missing his own head because people wrestled the gun off him. So like, you know, pretty bad attempt. The jury then didn't even bother to deliberate. They found him guilty of murder and James was sentenced to hanging in three days time because they didn't wait around. Yeah. Good. Now, interestingly... Lord Sandwich did something then which was really unexpected. This is, this is really now like, whoa. He sent James a message to his prison cell saying that he forgave him even though he had, quote, robbed him of all the
1: comfort in the world. So is that some sort of 1700s therapy? Maybe he'd gone to, Yeah, like, I mean, it sounds like, like to kind to of restorative justice. Yeah, you need to, like, forgive before he dies. I
2: mean, it is kind I of mean, that's kind impressive. Of, that's
1: kind of Christian or whatever. For sure.
2: And I do actually think it kind of... I, I actually think it it's complementary of his character. You know, the fact that he was quite obviously, by all accounts, he was very much devastated by the loss of Martha. But also he told this guy, look, I forgive you.
1: Well, also he m- he might be religious. Maybe that's why he didn't want to get divorced, and then sending this "I forgive you" before they Ooh, like that's maybe. a very religious thing. Like if, for you to move on, you must forgive. That's actually sins. very like, true. They'll deal with it when they meet their maker or whatever. I think you're onto something. Actually, that you know that makes a lot of sense, yeah, especially since he didn't want to get divorced. The when story he was,
2: checks out. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um. Lord Sandwich also said, so this again points to the fact that he must have been religious. He also said that he would use his influence to stop the hanging because he didn't believe he should be hanged. But James said he didn't want to live and that he wanted to die so three days later the hanging went ahead Lord Sandwich raised his children with Martha I should say as well at the hanging of course there was a massive crowd like huge gathering etc Lord Sandwich raised his children with Martha and made financial provisions for them to be looked after after his death a level of care sadly not extended to many children born out of wedlock in those days and that is the tragic story of Martha Ray aka Martha Heslop
1: yeah, she was only probably, about 35, seven years old, older than him? She was oh, seven 34. years older
2: than him, so
1: I'm doing the math. She would have been 35, 36
2: at the time of her death, the poor woman.
1: And then, as well, um, the thing with the guy wanting to be hanged, obviously, I don't believe in, um, I mean, uh, I, like, yeah, being killed, because what if you didn't do it? Do you know what I mean? Or what's it, mm. what's it called, death? But, like, imagine having to, li- like, death probably was an easier option for him than having to leave in live in the jails for forever back then
2: oh yeah
1: well they just didn't do
2: i I mean like yeah i mean look if you killed someone back then you were just getting executed that was just what happened so what is the lesson we have gleaned? is there anything because i know like the shift is all about relationships is there anything we can take from the story it's a
1: sad one because i do think unfortunately when someone puts their sights on you and that happens today as well and you can say no i'm not interested go away no thank you you kind of just have to hope that they they won't kill you like it's sorry it just comes back to the whole being a woman thing it can be when Mm. someone gets digs their nails in um i think the moral of the story is men please go to therapy um (laughs) and you're not owed anything you don't deserve anything and if someone's not interested don't go change your job change your looks change it go um and like work on your actual mental and uh go on a dating app and meet someone else like do you know I think it is
2: just about respecting what the other person is saying to you isn't it
1: Yeah and just no means no like it's it's hard because there's that whole thing a coy and my friend was just saying about how that there's like this weird cult called like honey badgers and uh she was saying about how that they tell you like when you're in this like weird cult thing i don't really understand it completely but that is this like twin flame twin flame that thing yeah don't take no for uh don't take no for an answer keep keep pushing
2: really dangerous to be saying this to people yeah Yeah. who are obviously feeling vulnerable they're rejected and like they have somebody in the ear saying you should keep pushing that's exactly what you should
1: not do a hundred percent you have to just let go and move on and like I think about like me and Leland is the healthiest relationship I ever had but every guy like that I had ended with before was like you know I dated a guy in Ireland who would like ha- wait for me outside work drunk and say this stuff like and kind of like badger me to get back like literally honey badger yourself because he would badger me t- to get back with him and just would not fucking leave me alone And then do all this Like really toxic stuff And then over here Any guy I kind of broke up with Like That I was like In an intense relationship with Like Definitely took no for Would not take no for an answer Wow And I just think about how With Leland Everything was like So smooth sailing And if I was like and I have a joke about it where I'm like, when we first fought and I was like, oh, I need space. And he was like, yeah, I respect that. And I, my mind is blown because I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Why would you? <laughs> so like, I know. But it's if-
2: like, I have that joke about, oh, sorry, finish.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say, if I were to say to Leland now and we're in love and we're together and we live together and I have said, look, this is actually, I, I've changed my mind. This isn't working for me. I want to be single. I want to be alone. I'm not re- built for a relationship. He'd be upset, but he wouldn't fucking... He'd be like, all right, like, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. And, like, I thought we were going to be together forever. But then he'd let me go. And it's, mm-hmm. like, I think people like the whole, like oh you'd do anything for me you'd possess me you'd you'd uh, you'd die for me and that's the type of person you don't want to fucking be with because that ends oh, up yeah. like really that level unhealthy. of intensity is toxic and so toxic. ultimately
2: no means no if somebody rejects you you have to respect that and like no good is going to come from persistently hounding someone that is gonna have the opposite effect. Down. You're gonna wear them down, but also, like, if you're sitting there, you're you've composed a WhatsApp, the fingers hovering. Should I send it? Should I not? If that person has said to you, "I don't want to be with you," trust that. Listen to them. Yeah, listen to what they're saying. It's funny though. You talk about like the whole toxic masculinity thing because I was saying before about like obviously Will Smith getting cancelled after the Osc- Oscars and you know boxing Chris Rock and I remember that week I think because I was just in the midst of my Britney show which looks at like naughty's misogyny I was just really riled up about this I think an awful lot of women were you know like we were all like just really riled up and I remember saying to Fred like this is absolutely disgusting like I don't care what somebody says about your wife like you can't lay your hands on another human being it's just completely unacceptable and I was saying to Fred I was like you wouldn't do that would you like you know if Chris Rock insulted me like you wouldn't go up there and box him in the face and Fred was like Julia absolutely promised I would never do it and I was like why the hell not (laughs)
1: yeah that feels like such a crap yeah yeah (laughs) why the hell not
2: how dare you not defend me so look that's what it's like being married to me that is the story of Martha Ray stroke Heslop it's a great old story isn't it Katie Mm.
1: it's a brilliant story and what I really like about it is and I truly think it. like obviously there's evidence that they weren't having an affair she was like leave me alone I'm not interested." I think I I was thinking oh she's going to want to run off with this young lad and it's the James guy who killed or not the James guy the Earl of Sandwich who kills her that's what I was thinking of. that's where it was going yes
2: well you see because generally speaking with these stories you know older man you know, maybe kind of territorial, possessive, controlling. Like these are stories we're very familiar with. So to hear about this young gun, pardon the pun, rocking up and he's the one ultimately to end her life. Like it's just, and also it, it is just terrifying to think like her taking the arm of a guy as he's helping her into her carriage was supposedly what tipped him over the edge. And there is layered misogyny to that as well because obviously the intuition being, like what they're kind of intuiting there is like, oh yeah, he had a motive, this, you know, like no,
1: sorry. It's not even, yeah, it's... He's yeah, crazy. Totally crazy. Because not even her her non-husband husband is, would be reacting about that. The other thing too is... Um, She could have left her husband, had security, had been in a marriage, probably could have went off and done acting, which shows she really did love her. So when I say husband, her non-husband, she really did love the sandwich guy because she (laughs) couldn't... Wouldn't (laughs) we all love a sandwich guy? I know, yeah, because she could have fecked off with your man and kind of did her own thing with her kids and yeah, it's really, it's just really sad. How, I think it's good to wrap up the project on that high energy (sighs) moment. Wait, wait, no, I know. Remember when I said, said, oh, people forget where they come from, but now Mm -hmm. seeing how crazy he was... I think what she did was a lot of the time what women will do is they'll say oh no I actually don't date short men or I actually don't date men from Ireland or I don't you know you're trying to like Very soften true. the blow Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. the men get really annoyed about this and be like well I can put on a New Yorker accent when really it's like I just don't fucking like it that is and so true we're so afraid to say I actually don't like it I'm just not interested because you don't want to hurt their feelings we say you're spot ego on ego is so just fragile I've just broken
2: up with someone I'm not looking for a relationship you say you're seeing someone when you're not seeing yeah, someone yeah all the time so
1: we're so worried about your ego and it's so fragile and I'd say that's why she said oh no I would never be with a soldier not fucking thinking he'd go get another job you're so smart I think you've got it in one and if she had have just in the first time said look no I I just don't want to be with you at all he could have snapped then it's a fucking minefield I think what she said there
2: the fragility of the male ego chef's kiss that just sums up the whole
1: podcast yeah and I know that a lot of men who are probably listening to both of our podcasts don't feel that way because they're just great and they're listening to women already. So they're like, yeah, they are. Do you know what? Recently, I discovered
2: that 70% of my listeners are men.
1: Oh, that's So I amazing. think I'm a bit
2: of a babe, am I? Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm like 50-50. fifty <laughs> fifty. <laughs> I'm fifty-fifty, men. So women. listen,
2: we do love the men. Um, like we don't love this fella, James. But you know, like oh, we I do, love yeah. men. Oh my god, yeah, do, my life course. was
1: obsessed with men for a long time.
2: Well, listen, but not obsessed in a I'm gonna go off and become a reverend and meet you at the theater with no, two I'm guns kind of way. A healthy obsession. To, I was always dating. They're always yeah, on my mind. a healthy obsession.
1: Um, let's see. So we should round this off at follow Julie at julie j comedy yes and follow katie at katie boyle comedy thank you no katie boyle comic but oh thank excuse you. me I know. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Um, and then I-, I have the video this will be on the patreon i'll send you the video file you can do whatever <gasps> you want with it and then Whoa. it'll be on crimeland and on the shift Thank you so much, Katie.
2: It's been an absolute pleasure. Great. I won't pretend to say goodbye to you because I am sitting in your couch and I'm staying here tonight. But let's just pretend it's a farewell.
1: Goodbye. Love you all. Lovely to meet you. Bye. (laughs) To meet me. (laughs) Bye.